Bobby Hot, welcome to Eddie and Mike. This is me, Mike, and I'm here with my guy. Eddie P, cheers. And bruh, man, we are chilling live from our balconies, pretty much. Um, independent balconies. But balconies, nonetheless. Um, in today's episode, we're going to talk about the Commanders, talk about the playoffs. Um, in the second segment, we're going to talk about the Wizards and their... BS, including the Rui trade, talk a little NBA basketball, and uh, finish the show talking about a whole bunch of stuff from racist words being used by white HBCU students. You got to hear the story to believe it. And um, ownership talk. It's some waffling going on. Is it for the commanders? No, nah, it's not for the commanders. I'm not going to scare y'all. <laughs> There's another ownership group out on the West Coast that's tripping right now. Um, we're going to talk about that to end the show, but what's popping, Eddie? How you feeling, my guy? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, we how about them caps last night winning in a shootout against the mm-hmm. Penguins? That was absolutely awesome. Ovechkin, business as usual, getting himself another goal. Uh, shame on me for not knowing the exact number, but he continues to inch closer towards the great one, Wayne Gretzky. So, uh, yeah, Caps winning. Wizards on a four-game win streak. That's always good. Uh, we're going to talk about that later. I'm, I'm doing great, man. Weekend's here. It's cold. Uh, great outdoors. R.I.P. John Candy. But, yeah. Bruh, John Candy, though. He's been dead for a while. About to say, like, why, why don't I don't feel like... As, as big as news as it should have been. Well, he's been dead for a long time. He passed before Farley, did Yeah. I thought so. And Farley been passed for a long time. Yep. So, ooh, I want to Great outdoors, him. man. Great outdoors, Uncle Buck, uh, planes, trains, automobiles. He's got a little little small role at Home Alone. Um, oh, yeah, um, you do. For the younger people. But, uh, bruh. We're getting all there, Michelangelo. Uh, we are. This here's a sports podcast. I mean, but, and that's what I thought. I was going to bring it back and say that Caddyshack is one of my favorite movies, man. Okay. Uh, okay. I need to watch that drink. I, and I think I told you today that what I said, I haven't watched The Outsiders or The Warriors before. You like, need to I, do that. Yeah, I get, I get clowned a lot for um, my lack of movie um, database. And then uh, both of y'all families got to understand, like, some of these movies I have seen, but I ain't seen them since I was a child. And I'm like, I'm not that much of a movie watcher. When y'all families was watching movies, and I was watching sports, (laughs) and I know you could say, yeah, I watch sports too. You wasn't watching them the way I was watching them, bro. I'm telling you. Touché. But nevertheless, uh, speaking of sports and me watching, I guess we got to start off with the team that all of us probably arguably followed most of our lives. And that's the Washington Commanders slash football team slash Redskins. And their OC career up search. But yeah, let's get a little bit more serious. Um, This week, I believe they interviewed Eric Stoosville, a sensitive coach with the or Studesville. I forgot how they pronounce it. Stoosville? I think it's Stoosville. 
um, yeah. assistant coach for the Miami Dolphins. And um, Thomas Brown was interviewed this week, assistant coach for um, the Los Angeles Rams. Um, two of my personal favorite candidates, to be honest with you. Also, they've announced that they are trying to interview Anthony Lynn, the current assistant head coach for the San Francisco 49ers, former Chargers head coach. And there have been reports that I believe the Jets and the, oh no, maybe it was the Ravens. But one of those AFC teams and the Commanders are, are indeed at the um, interested in the services of Eric Bieniemy, the infamous offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um. Also, you can't forget who they have interviewed already, with the likes of Pat Shermer, Ken Zampezi, no relation. Um, the Bama from the Falcons, the quarterback coach from the Charles Hamilton, no Charles London. I'm sorry, Charles yep. London, um, offensive coordinator from the um, I mean, offensive quarterbacks coach for the Falcons. And there's another one that I'm missing. Um, but whoever it was, they weren't getting hired because <laughs> I think the leader in the clubhouse right now is Pat Shermer. I'm not sure why they're still interviewing. I'm pretty sure that's who they're going to hire. And he was the first person I think they interviewed. They interviewed him before Zampezi. So um, it makes sense that Shermer would be the hire. And I'm actually talking to Sack Eddie, but it makes sense um, Sherman would be the hire because A, he worked with Ron Rivera before. B, he's not really looking for a head coaching job anymore. He flamed out twice pretty much. Um, C, for the 15th time, with the um, way the, the team is up for sale right now, there's really no foundation for coaches to build right now in Washington. So, when I hear stories that Chris Harris is leaving to go to the um, Titans to become their secondary coach slash passing coordinator, passing game coordinator, like it makes sense because um, he's an up and coming coach and Washington's situation isn't really the strongest. However, um, before I pass to you, Eddie, he went to the Titans talking about Chris Harris. Mike Vrabel's seat is just as high as Ron Rivera's. And, yeah, that's all I got to say. What are your thoughts on the um, current commander's offensive coordinator search? Any favors? And how do you feel about my um, opinion about Shermer being the um, leader in the clubhouse? Yes, I, I would could totally concur. I would agree with you that Shermer is – seems to be the favorite in the clubhouse or at least amongst all the pundits, the writing on the wall is there. You mentioned the history. Uh, Shermer has some head coaching history himself. Uh, been in the league as a coordinator and a head coach. Uh, you know, we got the Browns back in the, in like 2011, 2012. And then, you know, we remember the giants um, seems to be a pretty good offensive mind. And I think, you know, his style, <clears throat> tends to line up with Rivera again. That history kind of tends to lean towards it being a fit. Uh, Thomas Brown seems to be 
kind of like a, uh, you know, not just because he's coming from the McVeigh coaching staff, but a McVeigh type of guy, you know, young and energetic, enthusiastic. Uh, he has the background of, of playing in the NFL. Uh, so uh, all those things, you know, you would think would kind of maybe make him a little bit of a dark horse. You mentioned a lot of other names and I have one that I don't I don't think there's a ton of credibility to this except for the source. So I'm more of an, I know this is going to sound weird. I'm more of an ESPN guy versus a Fox sports guy, but apparently Colin Cowherd. The smart of us are. I mean, the the intelligent ones are. Okay. So anywho, uh, 106.7 The Fan has sort of reported or, you know, it's almost a retweet where Colin Cowherd on his show he mentions Diana Rossini, who used to work in the Washington area as a sports journalist, sports reporter, whatever title you want to give her. And she sort of mentioned that, you know, with the interest that Sean Payton's garnering, that there's potential that he might want to come to Washington. The obvious problem is why would he want to come to just be a coordinator when he's making all this money, being a talking head? not having to work near as much and probably making more money, even though coaches do make good coin, but there was just, and this is again, Diana Rossini saying this, she said, you know, there's several teams, uh, you know, and they're dark horse and everybody thinks that it's the Cowboys or it's some uh, like a more sexy type of pick, but Diana Rossini thinks that it's Washington. This is apparently coming from somebody in Sean Payton's camp saying that there are, teams or situations rather that he would be interested in or entertain at least. And they mentioned Washington with the fact that they could cut Carson Wentz at any time. You have all the young weapons. You have a a, a good structure and organization that Rivera has been building over the last few years. So I, I don't really, man, that would be kind of awesome, but I do feel like the expectations would be so much that when it doesn't work out right away, we'd be dealing with the same BS that some of our fans tend to kind of embody, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, I, I think Shermer is easily the favorite. Uh, but, hey, you never know. So, I, mean, I, I dream big with the Sean Payton thing. So that's that's kind of what that is to me. It's just like a, a dream. I don't know how I want to put it. Like, okay, I'll, this would be an idea. If I was Sean Payton, the head coaching jobs are trash right now. Like, let's be honest. Yeah, he can easily. What do I be talking? Um, who's left? Cardinals, Broncos. No, the Broncos hired. No, they didn't hire. So the Cardinals. Anybody else? Who? Yeah, Saints. So Chargers. I mean, Cardinals, Saints, Broncos, and it's um Texans are the four teams that's left. I think. Um, you just say three because there's no way, like, they're, the Texans are not an option. <laughs> like, I know the other three probably aren't either, but like, whatever the other three are, the Texans are like a notch below that. Like, there's no way, regardless of the fact that they're gonna have like high picks the next couple of years, regardless of that. So no now, so listen to what you just said, though, bro. Listen to how you say it. Like if those if those jobs are less than appealing, but you have Washington's offensive coordinator position open. If Rivera came up to me, I'm Sean Payton. 
And the Rivera came up to me and like, bruh, I know you're not feeling these head coaching jobs, but I know you're trying to coach. I don't know what's going to happen to us next year. Like, I may be out of here, but I need an offensive coordinator. You're available. We can break you off like a good six, seven million. You might even make more than me, bro. <laughs> but for this one season, I kind of need you to call it our offense. Sean Payton, the type of Bama that'll take that. And he's bulletproof. That's the one person in the NFL that may be bulletproof from Washington. And when I say bulletproof, like I'm saying, like if the offense trash next year, people probably wouldn't hold it against him and would want to bring him on as a head coach. Like, fuck. Um, Scott Turner got two head coaching interviews, bro. I saw that. I saw that. And I, and I was I was shocked. But, oh, and the coach job is still open. I should have said that. So it's five positions left. Yeah, but that one's a little – I mean, it's definitely better than the Texans. I don't, I don't know. What would, what would you rank in terms of, like – Um, I would say probably Cardinals won, right? Just just because of yeah. – Yeah, um, the Panthers were won. But since they hired Frank, Frank Wright yesterday – um, yeah, and there's, there's a lot of commotion over that too. Do you see that? With uh, yeah, only because Steve Wilkes was the intern and he's um African American. Like, if he wasn't African American, the story wouldn't have been as big. Oh, and the fact that the Panthers was actually playing well under him, back in he like kind of he didn't turn him around, but they turned, but you know, turned. you know, what's funny how people like to give him credit yeah. for that. They they give him credit for that, but they want to piss on Ron Rivera for doing the same thing in 2020. Yeah. The exact same season he had in 2020, except for we actually won the division. So it's funny how people can piss on that, but then say Steve Wilkes deserved the job um, because he had the same exact season. Yeah, y'all want to fire Rivera for having that type of seat? Man, come on. But anyway, I digress. Um, but yeah, I'll put the Cardinals up there. Um, who else? The Colts probably second. Colts second, and then um, Texans definitely last. And who are the Saints other two? Saints. Oh, after. Saints. Yeah, the Saints third, yeah. and Broncos fourth. You got to figure Camara's still got at least another good year or two left, and they got Camara. some other. A running back, bro. Well, all right. Hey. Laugh <laughs> at me now. Ah. But nah, seriously. Um, I the Sean Payton thing is interesting, but I really think at the end of the day it's gonna be Pat Shermer, and I wouldn't trip off of that. I agree. He's had success in the NFL as an offensive coordinator. Oh yeah, um, he's had even when he was a head coach, were were solid. It's just yeah, them Giants offenses were nice. Yeah, he he could put up points. I, I think it's just you know head coaching's a lot, and uh, I think sometimes. You know, I don't know, man. Like, look at a guy like Tomlin. I know he's got more of a defensive background, but when you're a guy who just like does the coaching, you ever notice that? At least for me, like, there's a lot of people that you know, like Belichick too. He might be an exception, but uh, like the guys who just manage everything tend to be a better coach because that's what coaching is. And I don't know how to, I don't know how to like express what I'm trying to say. The guys who come in and as a coach, they focus solely on, on like one thing. Cause that's their strength, you know, like being like totally about the offense. Like, I don't know. I guess you could find exceptions. Like maybe McVay would be one, but I feel like 
that's the, the, the tough part about coaching is trying to manage everything. And so we get Shermer like who didn't have success as a head coach, but he's shown to be really good at offense. If he's just asked to be the coordinator, that, that might be just what we need. And I always have had this thing. I know it doesn't work out, but when like you've got position coaches like we have now, when you have other coaches on your staff that have head coaching ex- experience uh, in other places and previous mm. seasons, there's something about it that I just kind of like, like it, it leads to like, you know, maybe they can't read your mind, but at the same time, understanding where you're coming from when you try to do something that could definitely go a long way again, doesn't like, it's not a, it's not like a guarantee check that box. Like it's going to happen. Like now, like these guys are linked up and, you know, like one sort of mastermind brain <laughs> operating together. That that'd be great. But no, it, and I, I think you were saying this when you close to that being possible. I think you were saying this when you were frozen or when you were freezing up. But um, you bring in a coach with Pat Shermer, and all of a sudden you have three former head coaches on your team, on your roster, yeah. with Del Rio, Shermer, and um, Rivera. Um, yeah. I, I like that point. I like that point. That that kind of makes me even more comfortable with bringing in Shermer. Um, it would be but, the same with Peyton. Yeah, same with Peyton. Oh, definitely with Peyton. If Peyton came on this staff, it, it it raises the entire roster, not just the offense. I feel like that is one of them situations where his presence would elevate the entire team. See, not- and I think probably a big reason why it wouldn't work is because you got to figure Sean Payton probably doesn't want to come into this situation with whoever the owner is. I know that sounds so weird. I don't mean that he has a personal type of thing but from a professional standpoint do you want to join a business that's like not in limbo but to a degree is then not to mention that i mean it depends it. on my reputation like no it, it depends on my reputation like like i said um he is bulletproof i feel like like for example um at my old job like i can go to my old job and probably get away with stuff that I won't be able to get away with at my current job simply because I was at my old job for so long and proved that I can, you know, ball out there for however long I was there. At this new job, I've only been there a year, so it's like if I tried to do something that didn't work out, I don't have the 10-year track record at this place that I did. Mike, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with where Sean Payton's coming from. That's what I'm saying. If I'm Sean Payton, maybe I don't want to get involved in that situation until I know. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, well, it's not from a standpoint of like being worried about me being tied into some kind of trouble. He just might not want to be there until they get a new owner and they and he's like he knows that this new owner is going to basically like you know give you the keys to the castle. I think so I know where we are. That's where I'm from. And then one more thing, and I'm going to let you jump all over it because I, I do want to hear what you have to say, is the other thing that I think is going to be like work against Sean Payton coming, we've already got the, the rest of the offensive staff there. I don't really think he's going to be feeling coming in to work with a bunch of other guys that, you know, again, he, 
he's Sean Payton, and, and I agree with you. He's got the ring and all that and the track record, but he might want to bring in his own guys. And like I said before, uh, I think who is it, Zampezi or whoever whoever it is we already got on staff mm-hmm. that interviewed the offensive coordinator job, and we didn't give it to him. And he's the I think he's the quarterbacks coach. Mm-hmm. I, I, like that's just going to be awkward working with whoever he works with. <laughs> What I mean, I, like I hear what you're saying, but he, like I said uh, last uh, time we talked about it, Sam Peasy, he's been, he hasn't been a coordinator in so long. Like I think even he know, like maybe me being the offensive coordinator yeah. isn't the best idea. That that's a good point. That's a good um, point. I, I hear you. And plus, he's like one of those you you hear people say it all the time, quarterback whispers. So like I think he understands like. I'm just this dude for quarterbacks. Not saying that I can't work with anybody else. It's just that I'm really good with quarterbacks. But um, I think where we were disconnected with Sean Payton, um, but you did bring up a great point with him bringing in the staff. That would create problems. But I was saying that as in, like, knowing that I only have a year here, like working as if I'm only having a year here, um, knowing that regardless of what happens, I'm gonna be somebody head coach next season. We yeah. can finish thirty second in offense. I'm Sean freaking Payton. <laughs> somebody gonna hire me next off season. That's the type of stuff I'm operating on. So that's why I'm like saying I would take the challenge if people knew what I'm about. And I feel like we know what Sean Payton's about. Um. So yeah, that's why I was saying he's pretty much bulletproof. Like. I don't think no. I don't think nobody would bang um like for example, if um Thomas Brown came here, we both favor that candidate from the um Browns, I mean from the Rams, young, energetic, um, yeah. former college player, former NFL player. I'm um, willing to take a shot, you know. Exactly. But what's what's gonna happen? Him coming here for one year and effing up and then getting fired when the new ownership take over would be disastrous for him. He's not bulletproof. Like, he's fragile. That career yeah. is fragile right now. So, I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't disagree if he would be like, no, I can't risk coming here because I don't know what's going to happen in 2024. Well, I, I think what it all boils down to, and this is a personal thing of mine, just want to throw it out there. I think the thing that we need in general as fans, but Washington more than anything is you got to have context and understanding and perspective. I understand that we basically have been terrible for the last 20 to maybe 30 years by now. I understand that, but trying to be brief within a lot of that terribleness, there were a lot of attempt and misses but they were understandable misses, at least on my point, whether we're talking about where somebody in particular was drafted. Now, don't get me wrong. For every one of these attempt and misses that I feel like I'm okay with it being a miss, if that makes sense, meaning the player didn't work out or the coaching scheme, philosophy, whatever, I understand the attempt. You know, that year we went and spent all that money and had all those good players. I understand it. It didn't work out, but I understand it. So I think with what you're saying, 
within the football world, there'd be a lot of people like, yeah, hey, that was his first gig. Washington kind of adds to the uh, degree of difficulty when you think about it, especially being your first gig. Um, so there's that. But then with us, and, and that would be my worry about Sean Payton coming here, is like the expectations would be so lofty. The only thing, I, like scenario I could think, just kind of transitioning out of this, like to finish off with Sean Payton coming here, the only thing I could think is if somehow we quickly get a new owner and there's some sort of agreement like, hey, we're going to kind of slide Ron into the GM position and then let's get a head coach. Ron can certainly be as involved in that, you know, whole thing as, as need be. Then maybe we get Sean Payton. And then I don't know what that means for the still vacant offensive coordinator position, but that would be, you know, at least for me, that would kind of be almost a dream scenario. And it doesn't even have to be Sean Payton. It could be somebody else. You could elevate Del Rio to head coach. And then get a defensive and offensive. Man, court. that's what if I was the owner, I would have did that after last season. I would have been like, Ron, I love you, bro, but yeah. it's clear that this game isn't for you. You can pick a hell, you can create a hell of a roster. Like the he, roster, he I'm impressed got with. Everybody in line with like just how to do things. It seems. I mean, we don't we don't hear, you know, the reports that we used to hear. Right. Not on the level we used to hear him. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to silver lining somewhere. Right. So I'm like, I love you as a coach, bro. But I mean, as a um, general manager, personnel person, but man, you get out coached almost every damn week. So I'm yeah. promote Joe Rio. Let's try have these next two seasons, which would have been this year and next year. And then we can talk after the end of the 2024 season. But now with Snyder selling, like, the dream would be for the team to sell before the end of January. Unfortunately, there's only four days left in January. Yeah. So good luck with that. We real Rivera will be the head coach of the commanders for the 2023 season. Just accept that fact. Um, honestly, I think he's going to be coach for 2024, but we'll talk about that later this summer. Um, I mean, you never know that the pressure could be something that works out. Nah, let's talk about it now. You know, like it, that that could work totally Here's, in our favor where the real it, like the good riverboat Ron comes out and we start, you know, like things start working in our favor. Like you got you gotta feel like I, I know his plan is way behind and he always waffles and tends to kind of like not answer questions in the media or get upset. Mm-hmm. We'll try to like, hey, you know, it's supposed to be a three-year plan. We're in year four, still not working out, going into year five. I'm confident that like at some point we're due. You know, we, we chase young, knock mm. on wood, healthy coming into the season. Hopefully we work something out with pain. Gotta feel like it's gonna be franchise tag and then working something out. Not sure. Uh I'd love to get rid of Carson Wentz as soon as possible, like just as soon as possible, just to create more money, more room, and then, you know, hopefully, yeah, you know, draft, draft well. Hopefully, uh, Phil is uh, uh, I can't remember my my man's last name. The D tackle. Hopefully, he's getting healthy. Oh, uh, Matharian. I mean, not Matharian. Okay, Mathis. It's first and last name. Matharian Mathis. Yeah, Phil Mathis. That's it. Uh, hopefully, hopefully he'll be good to go. Uh, so we can just, you know, with him and Ridgeway rotating into that 
solid D line we got. I'm I'm really optimistic that something's gonna work out in our favor. Cause you gotta figure, you know, what was it like Rivera's maybe or no Curtis Samuels first year, he was off to the side all the time. Now he's starting to get healthy and starting to produce for us. Then with that happening, Chase Young off to the side, missed pretty much all the season. Now we're finally getting those two guys back. Hopefully our running back situation can stay healthy. Nobody gets shot. Nothing, you know, no car accidents, none of that. And we go into the season healthy and ready to just, you know, smack some people around. But I'm getting way ahead of myself. Um, In terms of Rivera, I think we really don't have a choice. We don't want to continue to, like, you know, he, he hasn't done well in terms of wins and losses, but we've been so messed up from head to toe that we need, you know, someone like him who's maintaining just just order, just doing those those right things, not overspending, not dealing with, with any kind of nonsense, you know, getting young, hungry football guys with, you know, no like BS type of situations attached to them that become distractions. You know, I, I think there's a lot to be said for all of that. It doesn't translate to the wins and losses like we'd like, but again, you, you look at how things used to be, even, you know, the final season with Gibbs, like, you know, you got the Sean Taylor thing and, and some other things going on where it's just like, you know, like you need somebody who can keep everybody in line. So that, that at least for me, that's where I'm at. I understand we we got to get wins. That's the bottom line. But you know he's doing a lot of things that are going to hopefully eventually lead to that. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, we could talk about. Well, we will talk about this team all day, um, all summer, all spring, whatever. But um, let's move on to the NFC and the AFC championship games. Why not? Will Why not? We're going to be games, my opinion. Where we have the Kansas City Chiefs, not in Atlanta, but hosting the Cincinnati Bengals at, dare I say, Burrowhead? Oh, snap. Oh, snap. I, I heard that um, on the sidelines, I heard the Chief, the Bengals players refer, refer to Kansas City as Barrelhead. And if you don't know, Joe Barrel is 2-0 and at Arrowhead Stadium, including last year's AFC Championship game. Um, It's going to be real Sunday. Like, even before Mahomes got injured, I was like, the Bengals can beat them. But... After that injury, do not sleep on these mamas. I know Vegas has the Eagles as the um, Super Bowl favorites, but we saw Philly versus Washington um, that second game, especially the second game. If Darius Slay struggled against our receivers, if Darius Slay struggled against um, Cooper and – I'm not Cooper, um, Lamb and Dak – if Darius Slay struggled against Goff and Slay, I mean, Goff and, um, what's his name? Uh, St. Brown. What the hell y'all think Burrow and Chase going to do to the Eagles in the Super Bowl? <laughs> like, come on now. Like, it, it can get ugly for any team that's playing the Bengals right now because that duo is that dangerous. 
And the more you focus on them, the more T. Higgins going to be open. And then you focusing on the receivers. Damn, we forgot about Joe Mixon and um, Samaji P. Run. Like, that offense is dangerous, bro. Before you started talking, you should have informed everyone that behind the, the – I always want to call them San Diego – behind the Los Angeles Chargers, the Bengals are your next favorite non-commanders team. Because that's what it sounds You're like. You're hyping it. You're capping it. No. I'm not even capping it. Mike, let me tell you something. The Bengals sort of I, – I, I'm, I'm going to – you'll see where I'm going here. So the Bengals are very thin at their O-line position. True that. Didn't, that. I didn't seem to matter last week, but now they're going into Arrowhead. That Chiefs defensive line is – like they're they're pretty much at a hundred percent. I mean, by this time, everybody's dealing with some some bruises, some bumps, some nagging things. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying everybody's a hundred percent. You just said everybody was a hundred percent. No, but you know what I mean. Like everybody's I you mean. Their starters will be on the field versus the Bengals O line, where they'll be missing. I think two to three starters. That was what I meant. I'm sorry it took me so long to arrive at that point. Their O-line played well last week. They did. But the Bills' D-line ain't really, like, nothing to write home about. Well, they're missing, they were missing Von Miller. They Like, it, yeah. So, having said all of that. I hear what you're saying. I, I, think, I think the balloon is going to lose a lot of the, a lot of the uh, helium there. It's going to start to deflate. And you'll see Kansas City start to eat a little bit. And I think a lot of this stems from the fact that, like you said, not many teams win in that stadium. There's gonna be like eighty some thousand fans there. I don't doubt there'll be some Bengals fans, but there's gonna be a lot of fans there. That place is gonna be really loud. So check this out. I'm glad you. I'm so glad you brought this up because I definitely forgot to say something. If Washington allowed Cowboy fans to come into no, let me not say the Cowboys. That's too easy. Um, if Washington fans allowed, let's say, the Vikings, the Vikings to come into FedEx Field and chance school in the middle of a playoff game, the divisional round playoff game, there would be headlines everywhere. Like, oh my goodness, the commanders um, were invaded during the playoff game, blah, blah, blah. I ain't heard jack about nobody talking about the Bengals fans that was invading Bills Mafia. I heard who they chance all day in that stadium on Sunday. Like that that's what I'm saying. Like the media is not fair. That's all I wanted to say. Cause I heard them who they chance. And that that could happen to Arrowhead. Oh, I ain't saying all that. Okay. All I'm all I wanted to say was that. Get you on right. You heard the Bengals. You you heard the Bengals fans in the Bills Stadium in the middle of a playoff game. And we always talk about how loyal. And that's not true. The Bills Mafia is one of my favorite fan bases outside of honestly, I like them more than the commander fans. It feels like they keep it um a bit more real than we do. But nevertheless, um yeah, I'm just saying like the Bengals were the Bengal fans were in there on Sunday, and it wouldn't shock me if you heard a few and um, 
Arrowhead Stadium, but nevertheless. Uh, well, who's favorite? Are the Chiefs favorite in that game? I, I, they gotta be. There's just no way they're not favored. I will say, and I can't remember the stretch, but it's it, it is somewhat easily look upable. If that is that a word? Anyway, it, it you can look it up. There was a stretch when Del Rio used to coach the Jacksonville. I'm, yes, there we go. Sorry, man. I'm up all night, all day, all, dealing with middle school kids, my own kids. Like, anyway, uh, during that stretch when Del Rio coached the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they were they were solid. They weren't great during these particular seasons. They played the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh multiple times, and I believe one time was in the playoffs. And it was, you know, it's Pittsburgh. Weather wasn't great during these games. But Jacksonville seemed to own Pittsburgh. And there is sort of that whole thing going on with Cincinnati and Kansas City. I don't know what it is, and I don't mean to disrespect Cincinnati. Ever since, you know, they – I think maybe the season before Joe Burrow, they started drafting some guys. They get Joe Burrow, then they get Chase. And a lot of their picks start working out, start panning out, start becoming who they thought or who they wanted them to be. So I don't mean to disrespect them, but it just seems like, man, we got to get the right guys because if they can do this with – they had the worst O-line in football the year they went – to the Super Bowl, and then they tried to improve it, and they, they almost are back to having the, one of the worst O-lines just due to injury. But if they can have this kind of success, Washington's got to be like, we got to figure something out. There can't be too many more excuses about how bad our O-line is. Um, but having said that, I just feel like all of that talk about Cincinnati having the Kansas City kryptonite and whatever and blah, 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 I feel like Kansas City's just going to murder them. I don't, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things where like the odds are totally going to be in the, in, like against what everybody thinks Kansas city is just going to like destroy him. I, I, I just have that feeling. I pulled up the um, line on DraftKings. Shout out to them. Um, Sunday, the time for the games will be three o'clock and six 30. Don't forget that. Um, the Eagles 49ers first. We're going to talk about them in a second. Um, the Eagles are a two and a half point favorite, and the Bengals and Chiefs are at six thirty, and the Chiefs are a one and a half point favorite. So we should get two games this weekend, uh, two good games this weekend, and yeah, that I, e- good. My bad. That Eagles cheat. Um, Eagles forty nine ers game is going to be very interesting. Um, you heard me talk about Slate earlier. And I do feel like that's going to be a key. Can Kyle Shanahan take advantage of the weak link in the Philadelphia Eagles um, defense? And it's funny that I'm saying that an all-pro cornerback is a weak link, but that's exactly um, what I'm saying. Slay is um, vulnerable, very vulnerable. So can they isolate him in situations where – Purdy can now that now that's going to be the dangerous part. Purdy throwing at Slay because Slay is kind of like um, Stefan Diggs, where you kind of um, you you make a mistake and you short that thing getting picked. So even though he gets beat a lot, 
any inaccurate pass his way is getting picked. So Trayvon Diggs, right? I said Stefan, didn't I? Yeah. Um, Trey Diggs, y'all know who I was talking about. Um, and if anybody got a problem with it, they can see me. Nah. <laughs> but seriously, um, yeah, like um that's gonna be a strong key. Um I don't know if Jordan Davis is playing for the Eagles. If he plays that boosts the Eagles chance of winning because he's that good. And um I mean gun in my head, I'm gonna give it to Philly simply because they're at home. Of course I hope the 49ers win, but I think we're gonna see a um Eagles Bengals Super Bowl in two weeks. How much are we factoring in the weather? I haven't looked up what it's going to be, but being on the East Coast, there's obviously more of a potential for some sort of rain, you know, high winds even. So there's that. I, I, I tend to, to house NFLweather.com. Shout out to them. Bangles. Yep, check that joint out. So I kind of agree with you, giving the nod to Philly, only for the fact that Purdy is a rookie, you know, and, and don't get mm-hmm. me wrong, he's been playing great, but – I think, you know, and this is sort of a consensus opinion too, it seems. It's kind of, it's hard for me to say it's easy because he's still playing against NFL teams. But you got guys like Trent Williams along the offensive line. You got a tight end, a running game, Ayuk, Samuel, uh, and, and you know, even guys like uh, Jawan Jennings. I'm trying to think of some of their other receivers. They've got speed and talent. You know, I'm only the you, three I could think of, Samuel Ayuk and Jennings. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm drawing a blank, but I know they got they got some speed and some talent. And then you got okay. you know, wow. obviously Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. Even the use check, they they use him in a variety oh, yeah. of ways too. And then you know Elijah, um, was it Elijah Mitchell? I think mm-hmm. Elijah Mitchell. You know, spelling McCaffrey. That's a really really solid situation to be in. Um, but I don't want to take anything away from Purdy because he still made it happen. But he's also still a rookie. Philly's at home. They do have a good defense. They've got a lot of pieces along that line and that pass rush. You think of vets like uh, Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. And then, as you mentioned, you know, younger guys like Jordan Davis, who instant uh, impact, instant uh, uh, plays. So it's it's going to be tough. Hey, you know, I got to be honest. I, I Realistically, you give the nod to Philly. But me, I'm going to go with San Francisco. I'm going to say San Francisco is going to go in there. I'm not saying they're going to, like, murder them the way I said Kansas City will win. But I think they'll win. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say how because I, I really – I could see them, like, in some crazy scenarios where they just get some big plays early and then, you know – the floodgates open, but I, I think it'll be a closer game than that. So I'm just going to say they're going to win. Ooh, so yeah. Super Bowl, Kansas City versus Rams. That's what I got. Oh, so we literally had the opposite. So it's probably going to be Eagles Chiefs. <laughs> oh, man. But <laughs> um, all right, y'all, we're going to take a quick break, be back, and talk about some basketball. Hot at y'all, I'm
talk about the hat again wizards like I've, I've never seen a team that's so freaking frustrating like in the same season these mammoths have they started the year with a three-game losing streak then had a four-game win streak then had a two-game win streak then had a three-game win streak i mean lose streak they won a game only to lose their next 10. And at this point, they're 11 to 20. Bruh, remember, I said they're 11 to 20. Man, why do these mamas are 22 and 26 now? 11 and 6 in their last 17 games. This traded Rui Hachimura to the Lakers. Got about, got back about what, 15, 20, um, 15 second round picks. And Kendrick Nunn, yeah, who um, who had a um, Nunn had a decent game um, against the Mavs. I mean, was it the Mavs or the Rockets? I think it was the Rockets. Yeah, he had a decent game against the Rockets. Had a nice little slam dunk in his debut. Um, yeah, things are. What's the word? Right now, things are good with the Wizards. Um, things are on the up and up. Yeah, I don't want to say that, but I did want to. But anyway, um, surprisingly, they're only four and a half games behind the, the um, Heat for the division lead. Like it's it's weird. Like these members oh. may actually luck up and make the playoffs without playing in the playing game because the talent is the talent is there, bro. Absolutely, the talent is there, man. I totally agree. Totally agree. It's, but so, it's, it just feels like for some daggone reason, they can't stay out their own way. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a very Washington-like theme, uh, go figure, to uh, you know a lot of the things that we talk about. But I think in the same breath that I mentioned with Ron Rivera bringing a lot of just class and, you know, no nonsense, do the right thing, you know, very diligent – you know, to the organization. I think that's what's been going on since we hired Tommy Shepard, but I think it's been a process. And I think now you add a Wes Unsell Jr. who started to bring stability the way Shepard has all the way down to the actual coaching. And like you said, we, we got some talent. Kyle Kuzma is just playing out of his mind lately. He's getting bucked. He had a terrible first half, by the way. So to show some resilience, and to keep at it was making buckets and rebounds, you know, big time plays, trying to set guys up. Some of those threes were clutch late in the game. And, you know, he's been a big reason, you know, when we go on these win streaks, I guarantee you look at the stats and a lot of it is Kuzma with 20 point games. And you got to also figure that we've been on this win streak with uh, Porzingis on the sideline. And I think some of that was intentional, not, you know, the win streak part. Obviously, we're trying to win. But my understanding is that his ankle injury is not serious, but it's, you know, one of those load management kind of things. And they're like, hey, you know, we looked at these games and we're like, how about we rest him, you know, get him, try to get him that much healthier and then get ready for, you know, a West Coast series where, you know, we'd be playing teams like the Warriors, 
I know the Spurs aren't the teams they the team they used to be, but they're still going to give you you know a, a tough match the whole way. Um, I can't think of the other teams right now. I think the Nets might be on the schedule. I know they're not a West Coast team, but they're a tough team to play against when you factor in guys like Kyrie um, and some of the other guys in that team. I'm, I'm trying to think. Joe Harris, good shooter. Um, uh, heck, going at uh, Seth Curry, another good shooter. So the team's not, you know, all Kyrie and Kevin Durant. I mean, there are a lot, but – you know, that that's going to be a tough team to play as well. So the idea anyway um, was to have Porzingis ready for those games. But to go on the win streak that we have, uh, you know, definitely beating some solid teams. It, it just shows and, – and I know, you know, the Magic aren't great, but to play against them where they're beating you the whole time and then you come back and you get a win, you know, those games the are – Magic? Oh, you say the Mavericks. I thought you said the Magic. No, we, we were losing to the Magic, though. Or no, I'm so sorry. It's not the Magic. The Houston Rockets. Oh, but, I was about to say they beat the, they were losing and they won by 20. How? No, 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 no. It was it was the Rockets. The Rockets were kind of giving us the work. I, I'm so sorry. I, I did not mean there there wasn't any attempted disrespect in any kind of level to anybody. But the Rockets, they've got some young talent, you know. Uh um Green, Kevin Porter Jr., I don't think he's playing right now. Uh, I, I've always thought Eric Gordon is a good player, but uh, for some reason, the organization just never seems to work out. We talk about, you know, getting out of their own way type of thing. So the Rockets are giving us the work. They're beating us. And, you know, we came back and got the W, and, and it says a lot, not because I think a lot of the Rockets – but sometimes those games where you're supposed to win, it's not easy to really get like motivated and pumped up to get the win. But then, you know, you're able to do it uh, via the style they did coming back, you know, like, like that says a lot. I, I think that builds character. I think it says a lot. Um. Yeah, it's, I guess I'm almost back in Wizards mode. Super Bowl almost over. It's just hard for me to follow basketball before the Super Bowl, bro, because there's just too many damn games. Like, for example, like the Wizards, they're they're 22 and 29, but they're playing like the best team in their division right now. Um, If they were to, like, start the season after the Super Bowl, the Wizards would probably be like the one team in that East, I mean, in that division, but nevertheless, um, the Rui trade. Mike, let me, let me jump. Let me interject. Thank you real quick. Uh, I had to step away from the, from the mic for just a second, daddy duties and such. Let me tell you something. You know me. I, I've been a fan of Rory. I've got my my daughter has uh, one of those Rory Hachimura shirtsy type of things because you know I try to get the kids BC stuff too. Um, although it's harder to get them to like it. Uh, but I've always been a Rory fan. I get the bobbleheads. I'm all about it. I I I thought the potential and I think the potential is there for him to be an awesome player. He's got the size to be a big man but then has moves and skills and abilities to play sort of like a wing stretch four even, but it just wasn't working out. 
If you look at his stats, they never really improved. I, his three-point shooting maybe did, but overall, you could see improvement, but it didn't translate to results. And you factor in Kyle Kuzma having an awesome season, them having trouble finding common ground for an extension to his rookie contract, and then you get this trade where you're going to get three second-round draft picks and a player like Kendrick Nunn who's young and will come in and contribute at a position where you you need because, let's face it, you know, Kuzma and Porzingis, they get us a lot of our points, but we're supposed to be getting a lot of buckets from Beal. Kuzma and Porzingis are supposed to be complementary players with Beal being the guy and with Beal sort of finding his way back after being out for a while, having guys like DeLon Wright, who we already had picked up uh, before the season started, and then now having a guy like Kendrick Nunn who can get you buckets at the guard position, it's so necessary. And the last thing I want to say before I let you get, you know, your 25 cents in, when did Rui become so good all of a sudden? Like, everybody is like, oh, my God, this was such a bad move. I don't know why they did this. And, like, look, I'm a Rui fan. I wanted him to work out. But you're telling me the Lakers, who we already fleeced for some good players, and now, you know, I know two of them aren't here anymore, but we already fleeced them for some players. And now they're going to give us picks and another very young guy that can be a part of our team potentially for years to come, you know, or at least help out this year right away, instantly. <laughs> Bro, sign me up, you know? I think, I think it was a good trade for both mammoths. Um Well, I'm not saying it was a bad trade for the Lakers. I just, if you listened to, you know, uh yeah, I listen to 106.7 The Fan a lot, but if you listen to that and then you look at social media and everything, there's a lot of people all of a sudden vouching for Rui Hachimura, and, and it's not to disrespect him, but you heard what I said. His stats weren't improving, uh, injuries, Kuzma playing well. It's just a number of things, you know, on top of the fact that this is a business, which I mentioned with the whole contract thing. But so many people all of a sudden, like, this guy's great. I, I don't... I don't know what lens they're looking at this situation from. So, but I'll let you get into your your part on it because uh, I'm sure you got something to say. Um, I I honestly don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was so sure. I was so sure, Mike. Not because it's it's whatever. Like what I don't know. I need to see more. Like, I just need to see more. I just need to see them make the playoffs and not just be in the play-in game. I need to see them win a playoff round. Because, like I said, the team is just too damn deep. Well, here here's the one thing I will say that kind of what I thought was a little, little bit lame. And I don't know that the deal would have been the same. And I, I like this guy too, and I'm I'm hoping he does work out. But you know, I would have rather traded Avdi than Hachimura. 
but I don't know that the return would have been the same. Um, and and then again to the lame part, uh, apparently the Wizards brass was saying that this had to do with Avdia's development, but Rui wasn't playing because of injury, because of contract dispute, because of Kuzma playing well. Mm, excuse me, I apologize for that. Uh, yeah, so that it, I just thought that was lame because in in no way did any of that detriment Avdia's playing time or development. So I, I don't like, you know, that's one of those things where like you call BS because it is BS and everybody knows it's BS. So, uh, but now Rui goes and joins Westbrook and Thomas Bryant and uh, Troy Brown Jr., Troy Smith Jr. Can't remember the guy from Oregon. Troy Brown, bum. Uh, well, let me, yeah. let me not say bum because, and the same with Johnny Davis too. Like, bro, imagine if we hit on those two first round picks. Tell me about it. Tell me <laughs> like, about it, Mike. I saw Johnny Davis shooting the jumper, and it looked like this man was doing the Tootsie Roll, bro. Like, <laughs> I don't know what, like, what is going on? Like, what the, what is going on? But, um, I'm done with the Wizards for now. Like I said, I, I would rather wait to talk about them after I see more games. But I haven't watched a game since, like, October, bro. Um, and, yeah, as far as the rest of the NBA, like, the Celtics were on a nine-game winning streak. Um, they let, – let's just look at the standards because it's been like – That'll give us a good story of what's happening league-wide right now. Uh, for those like myself who aren't watching but are starting to rev up. Hey, who that in the background? The painter. No, not that. It was like a bag with a blonde on the wall or something. Yeah. Oh, that's Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but sorry, y'all. Um, um, but yeah, nevertheless, let's look at these standards. Uh, oh no, that really yeah. Because Eddie um had went back in the house, so it was like a I thought it was a painting on the wall. Um, but as he got closer to it, it's just a Barbie kite. <laughs> I thought it was like some oil painting or something. But um nevertheless. These Eastern Conference standards. Um the Celtics are 20 games over 500, 35 and 15 with the one seed. The um 76ers are close at the two seed, followed by the Bucks and the Nets, the Cavs and Heat. Knicks, Hawks, Pacers, and Wizards are your playing teams. Bulls are on the hills as well as the Raptors. Um, so you're the usual suspects in the NFC, um, the NFC East, the Eastern Conference. Um, every team is balling except – well, not balling. Every team is pretty much um, in playoff contention except for the Magic Hornets and Pistons. Um, in the Western Conference, Nuggets, the one seed – Grizzlies, the two seed. This is something that a lot of y'all might not know. I do know. I'm not that far away. 
um, from following the team. But the Kings are the three seed in the Western Conference. Shout out to Matt. He deserves so much credit. I never liked him when he was the Cavs coach because I, I felt like he made all his success off of LeBron. And plus, if you ever looked at him, the dude always had a new pair of glasses. Like, I love, like, sneakers, so I got tons of pairs. But this dude in his glasses, it was like – it wasn't just the fact that I think those were glasses he needed to, like, read or just, just see or whatever the case was. But they always had some, like, weird, like – weird thing going on with like the frame like he was some kind of villain and i just never liked him and then i'm pretty sure when um at some point he was on the warrior staff which i also was like bro like now you're like first (laughs) now you're like like kevin durant jumping around here like all right and then i just was like okay whatever let me just forget about this guy because you know life goes on but mad respect like that Sacramento Kings team was trash. And I understand getting Sabonis in a trade. You got a guy like Harrison Barnes, who I think was underrated. He was part of that Warriors rebuild that Mark Jackson helped start and won that first title. Then you drafted De'Aaron Fox. Like that team is third in the East. And I mean, excuse me, the Western Conference, like you said, like keep that in mind. They can't have that big of a budget. They probably don't sell a lot of tickets and have a lot of fans. And they're like, they put up points too. Them and the Pacers, ironically, of all teams to put up points, those two teams put up points. But uh, the Pacers ain't putting up a lot of points tonight. <laughs> That's for sure. Bro, it's it's almost a 30 piece. Um, Yeah. Sorry for coughing, y'all. That's my fault. Um, yeah, Jesus, Mike. Like, but um, yeah, so the Pelicans are the four seed in the West. The Clippers, the five. Mavs are six. So those are your teams that are firmly in the playoffs at the moment. Suns, Timberwolves, Warriors, and Jazz are your playing teams. And the Thunder, Blazers, and Lakers are competing for those spots. The Western Conference basement dwellers are your. San Antonio Spurs and the Wizards' latest victim, the Houston Rockets. So, um, yeah, outside of those five teams, the Spurs, Rockets, Hornets, Magic, and Pistons, the rest of the league is still competing, man. That's the one thing I could say about the NBA. Um, They've done a masterful job of making sure that um, they can get as many teams to compete during the season as possible with a season as long as theirs. That's kind of the um, best method they could take where they can, um, you know, capitalize off the amount of games if they can make as many games matter as possible. So um, I I would agree. Um, I I do think we're still kind of early. Right. That's what I was about to say. It's too early for me to say any favorites or anything. Well, no, but more so like I, I, I think – as the season goes on, there'll be a few other teams that will be joining those uh, bottom dweller teams, as you oh. said. <laughs> I think I think there's going to be a handful of teams that are going to just kind of start to boat race everybody else. I'm not saying I know who those teams are. I think if I really sat and kind of looked at it, I think I could kind of figure them out. But then, you know, there there are variables here. Obviously, 
you know, injuries, uh, Lord forbid anything along the lines of what happened with uh, DeMar Hamlin uh, and the Buffalo Bills, uh, you know. Knock on wood, but I highly doubt you'll see a situation that severe in the NBA game. I'm not saying you won't see any, because there have been situations where players have collapsed during the NBA game. But we talking nine minutes of CPR. That's a lot. Okay, okay. But I, I just used that, and and I wanted to preface, but I don't – I'm trying to work on not being so wordy. When I say that situation, I'm trying to to do a broad stroke in the sense that, like, what if, you know, Lord forbid there's some sort of issue with the stadium – or, or the the place they're playing in, and some, you know, faulty equipment. So you're just doing the most. That's what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> what are, you know? There's a bomb threat or like something like that. Like, or, bro, we're less than the perfect what example. If, what if they do a thing where if so and so makes a free throw, everybody gets a corn dog, but then they don't have to talk <laughs> everybody. It's riot in the stadium. <laughs> Who's got two hundred thousand corn dogs? But look, um, we you you doing all that? We're literally like two years or three years removed from the perfect example of uh, COVID at the league. You could have just said another COVID situation or COVID-like situation. Yeah. But this man went from um, Demar Hamlin to. <laughs> Running out of corn, <laughs> Listen, man. Go ahead, move. Ever been? You ever been do something free and then like it's taken from you? Um, it's a weird feeling because all like, the time, pay for anything, but you're like, man, that that should be mine. Like it's just a, not but, um, stupid, but like my my humor is. So two more, two more basketball segments, real quick. Um, real well, quick. topics. I'm sorry, not segments. Topics. Do it. Um, I know where we're going to. I almost forgot. Do it, Mike. Set it up, Scotty so, Pippen. Go ahead. <laughs> the um, Shannon Sharp and versus Grizzlies debacle. That yeah. was that was that was interesting. Right, um, let it all out because I'm I'm over here. I'm I'm I, I got one in the chamber in case you're pondering. Good. I'm gonna just say this because we all know what happened by now. This was like two. What was it last Friday? Yeah, like, we don't get to record as often as we want, so yeah. some of our topics are not as on point as we. But like. you know, I I've accepted Wait, the fact. Talk over it. So. Yeah, I accepted the fact that we aren't. Um, <laughs> that we aren't able to do it like we wouldn't like to. And most shows are like us where they're like bi-weekly or monthly. If if the masses would love to start funding us to where we could do this (laughs) daily, I would one, be much appreciative. And I tell you, I would give you my everything. But for the time being... I got a job, and then I got these other couple of jobs. <laughs> kids. So we That's don't. Why I, like, listen. But, but go ahead. 
Nah, pause for a second because we need to drop some games of these. Time out. Everybody freeze. What? You never seen Say by the Bell? Oh, yeah, of course. Exactly. The thing, and everybody like. But look, I'm going to drop some game. Like, because everybody always used to say, like, marriage is hard, marriage is difficult, marriage is this, marriage is that. And of course, you take their advice. Like, you take their advice um, firsthand. But it's just like anything in life. You can research it, you can talk about it, or whatever. There's a reason why experts are experts and um, whatnot. Until you actually experience these things, you have no idea how um, intense, how um, important these things become to you. And I ain't even saying that as a negative, because I ain't gonna lie. Like, ever since I've been with um, my wife, Marty, um, like, I definitely become a better person. And I ain't even saying that. But like give her on a good side because she's a family to be honest with you. But not but no, seriously, like that stuff helps you um become a better person. But there are some sacrifices. And that's all I'm trying to say. Like, we would love to do the show. Like people be like, hey Mike, when that show's going when I'm I'm like, we put them out when we can put them out. Um but Mike saying Marty is solely responsible for us not doing more podcasts. It really has nothing to do with my wife, Myra Pickering, who I love and adore, who's sleeping like an angel right now. Oh, that's what's up. Um, But no, I'm just saying that like... I tried to warn you when I called the line was busy, so I I don't know what to say. But though, I say that uh, not only for us, not only for adding a mic, but just in general overall, like um, if you got a job or if you have responsibility to take care of, make sure you take care of that first and then everything else can fall by the wayside. But going back to the topic I had with... Um, well, hold on real quick. If you're doing that job and it's one where like you have like time, listen to that Ian Mike show. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. There isn't, there aren't many jobs available or that people work right now where you can't listen to the podcast. Like, I've even heard Amazon retail stores playing podcasts out loud now. So, you have no excuse not to listen to Edward and Michael. <laughs> but uh, bringing it back home, because <laughs> we way off base. Loyalty now. type names. This may be Edward, but you know. I, th- um, I think like I was like the first like, you know like like March Madness, like when they were writing the books, like Edward was the first team out. Like, the, <laughs> like you know what I mean? I, so, like, I, I already was, like Michael was like he was a one seed. And he tried to like tried to bring me in. What they, what are you talking but, about? But then they put the velvet rope. You know, but got, um. Yeah, I, I talking this is gonna be our longest episode ever because we That's still funny. got stuff to talk about. But um, we just want to roll with it since we ain't been on for a while. So when this joint end up, man, like two hours, and got something to listen to for the next week or so. But no, <laughs> all right, back on topic. Back on topic. Um, Uncle Shade versus the Grizzlies. I just feel like it's. It's stuff that happens all the time 
when you have that much testosterone in one situation. The only reason it blew up as big as it did was because it was a freaking NBA game and all of them should know better to like act like that and during the NBA game from Santa Sharp to um whatever John Morant's father's name is. Um T. I was gonna say Trey. So T, from mm-hmm. from Santa Sharp to T um T Morant to the even the security guards that were involved, like Cooler heads could have easily prevailed, and they they did prevail at the end of the day. They dapped each other up afterward, but um, you got to understand your environments, and you know cameras everywhere. You know social media everywhere. Shannon Shop, you know you're getting like 20 million views every morning at, um, with Undisputed, with Skip's um, every morning. Like, like, if this was done on purpose, then bravo. <clears throat> But it was just a, a bunch of nonsense to me, and that's why you very rarely saw me talking about it. You saw me sending, you saw me sending memes, but that's about it. Like outside of that, I couldn't care. Um, I've been in worse situations at rec league games. I got thrown out of a game once. Um, the refs were trash, and my wife let them know about it. <laughs> And, um, but they out because your wife said something. Oh, yeah, he was intimidated by me. Just he was intimidated by my presence. Like if my, if you do, Mike, I didn't do nothing. I didn't do. I didn't do or say anything. Like I'm pretty sure if my wife wasn't there, she wouldn't have been thrown out. But my presence, simply my presence, um, made the ref scared, and he knew he me. He knew he messed up. Like you could hit wait, is, is this a game you were playing in or not? No, that's what I'm saying. So you're in the stands. I'm in the stands. <laughs> like, I'm like you're playing and Marty's like talking like in your defense type of thing, or like they fouled my baby or whatever, you know. No, okay, so see that's that was, you. That was episode. Episode. My, my mistake. My Long episode. We're good. So sidebar. Well, this is how this is why I don't care about the situation with Shannon and the Lakers. <clears throat> My apologies again for call. But so this will happen. We're at the game. We're in Anne Arundel County, first of all. And yeah, it gets intense out there with the feds. So you try to like stay low or whatever. Well, anyway, my man Joel, you at the game. Um I think it's the championship game, playoff game, or something for the uh, 30 and over rec league or whatever. Um, they're competing with the team. The other team, they're okay, but they're not good. Um, the only reason the game is even close is because the referees were just not doing well. My wife is like a notorious trash talker. She couldn't care less about the game. She just wanted to trash talk. Um, so she was letting the ref have it. It was one play at the end of the game where um, I think my man Joe was driving and he made the shot, but they called travel or something, or they called offensive foul or something. It was a phantom call. Like, even the other ref was like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> like, that type of call. So, you know, everybody in the gym, they overreacting, hyping it. I'm literally just sitting there staring at the ref, Shaking my head. 
That's all I'm doing. Next thing you know, we get through out. I'm like, what? What did I do? Like, what? Like, if you go, because he pointed at me first. Like, if he pointed at my wife first and then at me, I would be like, all right, I understand. He know we together. Um, she's embarrassing him. Like, she was cooking. <laughs> my wife has no chill. Like, just straight embarrassing this rough. So, but I get through out first, even though I ain't say a word to the man all night. Um, and yeah, it, they threw us. That that ref has been missing ever since. Is that nah? Right? Like he was an older gentleman. Like I'm, and this a it's a rec league game. Like why would I care? Notice the first thing you said was older gentleman. That way, people think that this was just like oh, it it was of old age. Like um, nah, no, he's not that old. Where he was like. Kidding. Like the fact that he made good calls makes me know that the calls that he weren't made were somehow motivated. Like I really feel like it was because my wife was cooking them and he just couldn't handle it. And I'm not gonna lie, as a man, I was embarrassed for him because he was embarrassed that a woman was verbally assaulting him from the stairs. But um, so yeah, that's why the whole is that this ref was similar to Dylan Brooks, who's a professional basketball player and could not take a Mr. Shannon Sharp saying you're too small to guard LeBron. That's not what I meant, but that's a great that's a great comparison. But that that's just I mean, that's that's kind of the gist of this. And I and I'm not freeing Shannon Sharp a blame because for all we know, this was a stunt. I hate to say it because I do kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, I, I kind of fuck with him. Like the way he is from like a media standpoint. I'll be You're honest. Talking about Sharp. Yeah, yeah, Shannon Sharp. Uh, I, I, I like him. I like, you know, I, I like the way he talks. I, li- I like the stuff he says. I, I tend to kind of think similar and 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 most part uh for the most part excuse me agree with him it's hard though in today's world to believe that anything isn't planned or isn't some sort of stunt the fact that he's giving media interviews like almost instantly after it happens it kind of has a very jerry springer or maury povich feel to it when you think about it you know like it's the equivalent of the the guest running to backstage and then Maury or Jerry, like running right up to him with a mic and a camera in their face. That, that literally is like what happened. I haven't said that. Um, we're going to transition, but I'm going to need to step away for just a second before we do that. Uh, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to transition real quick, but you know, the Grizzlies talk a lot of smack. They do a lot of dancing, a lot of celebrating and, for Dylan Brooks to get all in his feelings, and then you got Adams and John Morant coming over, and then T Morant coming over, all <laughs> in Shannon Sharp's face. Like, first of all, he's not somebody I'd mess with, but uh, yeah, like he's obviously a LeBron fan, he's talking trash just like anybody else at a game would. So, you've got this chaos going on. But it really, what did it all stem from? A guy like Shannon Sharp, who I don't know how much 
you know, these Grizzlies know about him being a former football player, but they certainly know about the show he does. And they have to, to a degree, know that he got the show because he's a former football player and he and his brother are Hall of Famers. I Again, I don't know how much of that they know, but at least some of that. So having said all that, if you know even a little bit of that, you know he's a huge LeBron supporter. Huge. I mean, he's going to cheer against you. It's a Lakers game. Like they're playing, it's it, the Lakers were at home, if I'm not mistaken, right? So, was that the crib? I don't know if this is one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I'm a man, so I'm not pretending to like not know how men think, type of whatever. But I don't know if this is like a, a bravado kind of thing, and like Dylan Bruce is like, oh, you know, this is different than like Jack Nicholson or like some other like somebody that I could, you know, destroy. But I I don't think that's the case here either. I don't know. Because it's just simple trash talk. You're too small to guard LeBron. And then they get all in their feelings. And you got (laughs) coming after Shannon Sharp. What's Shannon Sharp supposed to do in front of a bunch of people and on live television? Like he's supposed to sit and be like, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Brooke. Like, are you for real? So I'm a What's he supposed to do. I understand that that everybody could have reacted or acted better in that situation, but you pay money to go to a game. He didn't call him any kind of names. He didn't like no profanity, no vulgarity. Uh, you know, both, both of these guys are people of color, but he didn't, you know, say anything in terms like like racial wise. So I, I just don't get it. You know, may you know maybe because he was saying it the whole game and he was heckling, but man, and then John Morant's dad to come over. If that doesn't, I know you might have some stuff to say, but I want to really use that to transition the next topic we're talking about. John Morant's dad coming over to try to fight Shannon Sharp for some stuff that was for his son's teammate, and everybody involved in this scenario was well over the age of 18, it just reeks of AAU and youth sports. But but go ahead and say what you gotta say. Cause I I like I always want like yeah. It's it's funny you say AAU sports, um, because that's youth sports obviously. And the story I was gonna say was um like people always say that the generation is why you're differently and I ain't gonna say all that. I don't think it's a generation. I do think it's a person-to-person thing. But I was in a similar situation when I played basketball. Um, nowadays, just to uh, be fair, where we're going. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, ahead. but um, good. I'm sorry. But nah, um, nah, you're right though, because I know what we're about to talk about next. Um, and I was around their age when I um was playing basketball and. I remember playing Seat Pleasant, and this was the same team that Kevin Durant was on at the time. And his mom, I remember Wanda in the stands, like she was giving us the business, like really like heckling us. And we children, but she was like really heckling us. And of course we hear it. We can't like block it out. 
So what did I do? I cooked. <laughs> like I turned it into fuel and I dominated. Ain't nobody steal your car neither. <laughs> like we we cooked Sea Pleasant um that season two out of three times. Um, but nevertheless, um yeah, like you just gotta ignore that stuff. Like you know people coming for you. Like and he was he's a veteran in the NBA, which means he's been playing for well over ten seasons. I mean ten years. Like that stuff should be ingrained in you. He's here to work, I'm sure. I'm not here to grade trash talk, but the disrespect like uh, some vlogger, you'd have to ask him. First of all, he's a Hall of Fame tight end. <laughs> and he's in the media now. And again, as I mentioned, I won't put anything past anyone these days in terms of things being a stunt or a gimmick. Now, maybe it was a one-sided gimmick where these guys didn't know what he was trying to do. Nevertheless, I'm not saying he did or didn't do it. I just, I got to be honest too, though. Those dudes are basketball players. I'm not saying they're not tough and that, you know, whatever. But I've heard before that there's sort of like an unwritten thing where like, even when dudes get pissed, like that there's not really going to be fights because you can get fined and it's a lot of money. And there's also like the whole thing where obviously like teammates and refs and coaches are going to break it up. I just, I I know it would have been a lot versus one, but I don't think those guys want that smoke with Shannon Sharp. I know he's older and, you know, he might not, you know, be in his prime. I, those dudes are like, like, like he got hit in the head a lot. Like he probably ain't in his right, you know, he probably in his right, uh, right mind. And, and, you know, shout out to my dad, miss you, but he hated Shannon Sharp for all the trash talk. <laughs> but, but, well, it was just how my dad was. He wasn't a very talkative person. He was, he was very reserved and oh, school. oh, absolutely. He wanted you to be a, a Barry Sanders type where like you just killed it on the field, but you didn't really say much. You handed the ref the ball. And oh, yeah, we talked about this. You because I was like, I bet he hated Dion. Oh, oh, god, yeah. But his <laughs> thing was like, he knew how good Dion was. He just hated the fact that, like, he was such a hot dog. Well, that, but more so, he hated that he's like, you play football and you, you tackle with your hands. You just do like a two hand touch, like a push. Mm. Just, he thought he was soft. Mm. He, he, he wasn't arguing about speed or athleticism, just, just talent. He, he never would have argued any of that. But, uh, you know, anyway, not, not to get sidetracked on my dad and his influence on me in sports, I just don't think any of those guys really wanted it. And I think when when you're young, especially these young kids, like they just can't handle criticism, nothing like that. They live in this weird world, and they're out there showboating and hot-dogging it. And then you got a guy like Shannon Sharp who they can't, like, you know, punk or intimidate and say, oh, shut up. You got a guy like that. I think that's where all the problems came from. But uh, I know I said a lot. I mean, a lot. But we're going to transition. You know, I look at youth sports today. 
I've been seeing a lot of videos and a lot of times it's about, oh, a lot of times it's about the parents and, you know, fights and complaining about kids and playing time. You know, what I'm seeing now is kids who, you know, everybody's got, they got, you know, cameras and cell phones and whatnot, but these kids know how to like find the camera. I'm watching kids like young, I mean, maybe 10, maybe younger than 10. And as much as you can see some talent or some some ability that comes from being coached up, everything they do is is a, an end zone celebration. Everything they do is like turning and looking for a camera or cameras so that they can do a TikTok dance or that they can mimic something that they see from these NBA players. And I think they don't think that they don't get is some of those things are momentary with context. You know, I'm watching this kid yell, let's go every play. Like I watched, I watched this little compilation that, that this person put out kind of talking about what I'm saying. And this one little kid, every five seconds was like, let's go. And it like, nothing would have happened. I think someone needs to pull him aside and make him understand that, you know, when you see guys in, in any sport kind of doing that, like flex fist pump, that primal yell, let's go. And they're getting fired up. They just made a big play or were part of a big play, something of that nature. You know, these kids, like they throw up some garbage and, and, like want to like flip out and one like and I don't blame just the Grizzlies. I I blame the internet. I blame TikTok, YouTube, the whole nine. But you know we were just talking about. You know there's a lot of teams. They're not big fans of the Grizzlies. And don't be wrong. Is this goes back to To when he was pulling pens out of his sock to sign autographs? You don't like it? Stop it. But when you're kind of creating a culture that's based off of just like call of duty online play level trash talk as you're beating your opponent, you know, sort of like in-person trolling, if that's such a thing, you know, just basically like just berating your opponent. That's kind of like what we've come to. You know, we, we got these little kids out here doing the flex after like, one layup and who knows you know like i'm watching this compilation like i mentioned of kids going crazy with the celebration there's no there's not even a look at what the score is so my bad man i kind of i went on i rambled nah um you sports in general is just it's so I, corrupt and such a it's sess- awful right now. Like I just, it's 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 just awful. Um, I'm all for kids expressing themselves, and I ain't even saying like I have a problem with yeah, what like, they doing. Kids have fun. I didn't mean to go on that road. Like I want these kids to have fun because that's what like that stuff in 2K. So like they see it in video games, they see it in person, and they kids like let the kids have fun. It's the adults 
surrounding it that um pissed me off. Like the fact that we even talking about this. Like why are we even recording this and posting it on social media? Like let these kids live in peace without criticism from the world. This is where the adults need to come in and kind of teach them like, hey, everything doesn't need to be a celebration. But I see because maybe your point is that the adults are the ones showing them that like, yeah. And hold on. Like we don't know. Clapping their face and say, oh, we don't know the perspective either. Like these could be heated rivals from um the same classroom or something like that i've i've seen opponents that were from the same school or in the same classroom um like have to go go at each other so like it's that type of intense or it could be um like cousins or something or family or something going at it um or it could be what it is like just two people having um a good time expressing themselves on the court like all i'm saying is like it's the i, I just hate the parents that they're ruining it so that i want to do it like i want to participate in youth sports but with these parents bro i just can't i'm fighting a parent i mean i ain't gonna lie i'll glass a father <laughs> Again, here's more where I'm getting at. This isn't, you know, parents complaining about my child isn't playing enough. This isn't parents complaining about the way the game is officiated. What I'm solely talking about that I see from teams like the Grizzlies and just a a, a shift in youth sports is celebrating every play celebrating every minute even like no, don't me wrong i understand there'll, there'll be some situations where someone like oh my god they crossed that guy up and then you know hit just a really nice jumper or it was just a clutch shot or you know something of that nature which warrants an ooh and an ah and and some displays of emotion <laughs> and excitement i understand all of those things but when you're again, like I referenced, you're yelling, let's go off of everything. You know, it, it and, and like this, these are little kids. And what they're doing is they're mimicking what they see, whether it's from Fortnite or two <laughs> or from pros like the Grizzlies, who tend to want to like do the gritty and do all these other like, you know, they, they want to turn the game into a whole thing. Now look, growing up, man. I love seeing flashy plays. I, I loved, you know, the T.O.'s and the Chad Johnsons. I did. But there also has to be some limits to this. And I think we have to be careful, you know, you know, like you mentioned, freedom of expression and all that, and, and I'm fine with that. We have to also teach kids that, like, hey, you know, you wouldn't really like it if your opponent was doing all that when you were losing. And and I think we're starting to lose that. And I think things like that would turn, they turn off a larger base from being interested in youth sports because who wants to put up with that all the time? You know? Yeah. I like the Otto Porter approach. They just bought as a family and that's how 
he pretty much got good um, playing in schools and playing with his family. They never, like, um, he never played on the AAU team. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. But, and not every family is fortunate enough to have a family of ballers like his, but um, I just really wish it was more organized. Like, I just, I just hate it. And I could rant on this forever, so let's just go ahead and stop it now. Take a Same break. Man. Be back in, um, in the show with these off-brand topics. Well, not off-brand, but like it's not like all these topics. But yeah. just, they're not organized. Let's it's just okay. say that. It's cool. Like Each topic has nothing to do with the other topics. Let's say that. It's like if you go into your attic. And you just like start to find some stuff and you're like, oh man, this is cool. But like, you know, it's in your attic for a reason too. Right. So. Like ain't nobody leading so leading the show off with none of this. But at the same time, there's a reason why they haven't left your attic to go to the trash can either. So So we're going to get right into the irony of this whole situation. I, for one, have always loved the topic of race, even when it's uncomfortable. I feel like I learn a lot. I feel like there's just always something that I wasn't thinking about or accounting for. But then I also am so weird and twisted where I find a lot of humor, a lot of just things that personally entertain me. So in the spirit of that, and this being a sports podcast, we're going to talk about Marcus Stokes, who's a four-star quarterback prospect. Uh, He had a scholarship to the University of Florida, but then it As per usual, the last several years where anything you do on the internet, on social media, can be found and used against you. So there's some video of him rapping. I can't remember the song, but he says the N-word. So... He lost his scholarship. It, it, It was rescinded taken away, however you want to put it, he was no longer going to be a Florida Gator. Ironically, he's now been offered a scholarship to Albany State, which is a historically black college university. I find the irony humorous to say the least. I don't know how the meeting with the coach or anybody else on the team would go, but things are not the same when you and I grew up, Michael. Uh, I have a few years on you, but regardless of that, there's always been sort of this time where even people who are accepted, people who are white, or even Spanish, Asian, non-black, 
who are accepted in that community, it's understood that you're still not supposed to use that word. The shift, at least in my opinion, over the last five to 10 years, maybe just a little bit more, has been insane to where almost everyone's using that word. I'm not trying to water it down or make it okay. Nothing like that. But I I, I mean, I don't really need to say much, right? <laughs> the guy's getting an offer from an HBCU now. Um, apparently, he's from Florida and was really excited to play there. But, you know, once this thing came out... <laughs> You know, no dice. Um, and he's blessed to receive the offer. And, you know, uh, he's tagging the coach. He's trying to kind of look the part. You know, we'll see what happens. Because it, it's not said that he's accepted the offer. But I have a feeling he really wants to put out the fact that this offer's out there. Uh, I think he wants to promote that as much as he can. So we'll see what happens, but uh, you know, I, I hate. I, Mike, what's your perspective on this? Um, I don't care. Like, <laughs> no, seriously, man. Like, well, and I understand it. It's a personal thing for you, for me. I, I don't mean to be like, hey, Mike, you're black. What do you think? My no, thing is the like. It almost, all right, my dad was a Leslie Nielsen fan growing up. For those of you who don't know, he did a lot of, like, spoof humor, movies like Airplane and Naked Gun, and the idea was to sort of poke fun at social things like something like this, like literally, like something exactly like this, where <laughs> the white guy uses an N-word. Nope, you can't come to Florida anymore. <laughs> but then in historically black, like, look, Take it how you want. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, uh, I'm not trying to pin anyone as as something negative or something terrible. I just I find it humorous. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely um, coincidental, ironic, however you want to say it. Um, it, I guess it depends on your perspective. For me, it's just. Um, you know, I'm a Christian, so I'm probably more forgiven than the average Bama. Um, I understand why everybody's upset. I understand why um, black people feel like um, black people are more lenient for forgiveness now for those types of things. Um, like I said, eh. We've we've Vince McMahon has a whole scene where he says the N word to Booker T, and we all seen it. We all know it's there. It happened after two thousand, so it's not like it's old footage. And ain't nobody say nothing about it. Ain't nothing happened to Vince McMahon when that joint happened. It was on pay per view, so it wasn't like anybody could find him either. And it was his show, it was his production or whatever. Ain't nobody say nothing. So how can he get away with it almost scot-free? But this 
college student that said it in a rap song or whatever gets the death sentence pretty much. Like I ain't saying he should get I ain't saying he should skate away free. There should be some repercussions because you know um the ramifications for saying such a word. Having said that, to get quote unquote canceled for something you did years ago. Like if you ain't get caught in the act right then and there, first of all, I'm like, why are you digging in my past? Pop off my nuts, first of all. Secondly, um, like I said, like I get why everybody's up in arms about it, but we have so much bigger fish to fry. I don't know if you heard about what happened in Memphis, but that's the type of stuff I get pissed off about. I couldn't give a damn what a, a white teenager said in a rap song um, three years ago or whatever. I don't know if that's what happened, but like, miss me with that BS. Let's talk about some real BS, like police brutality. And Bama's getting straight up murdered on camera by the police in Memphis. That's the type of stuff I get upset about. Somebody saying the N-word in the rap song? Man, I don't care. And if a, and if a school feel like they can benefit from the situation, then that's up to them. Like, people just blow me like complaining. Like, I understand the situation, but, like, don't try to, like, it's not worth a death sentence. I guess that's what I'm saying. And I ain't saying by, by saying that he should get um, cut from the team or whatever. It's overkill. I'm just saying, um, trying to poo-poo a school for wanting to take advantage of the situation, it's kind of lame. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, you know, at least from my perspective, I, I guess the idea behind it is, uh, you know, you you can't go back in time and change right all the horrific things that have gone on in this country. But then, I guess people want to try to be such an ally and such an advocate for um, better race relations that sometimes. You get carried away trying to police these things. And while I think, like you said, there should be some some ramifications and repercussions, I think context is everything. And then and then I think also um not trying to be overly woke it, like should certainly be um something high on everyone's list because you know being accepting and all those things is great. But we, we, you don't need to get carried away with it, you know. We, we don't need to be extreme. You just need to be, you know, calm, cool, collective, really, right? Like, just, you know, stay in your lane, do what you're supposed to, and and all those things should take care of themselves. So I, I, I didn't want to spend a lot of time on this topic, to be honest. It was just more the idea that I remember when this happened, and I was like, damn, like, I'm not okay with him saying the N-word like that because I think people should understand, like, like it's just wrong. Um, it, like, it, you, you sound stupid and, like, you know, I, I don't think anybody should be saying it, but I, it sounds kind of hypocritical, but, like, I think that's kind of, like, something that, like, black people get to decide. Like, kind of sounds weird, but that's not something that I really have any say in. 
Yeah, with the with that, it's always like I understand the logic that everybody has behind that, but this one, you're going to suspend your logic on this one. Like, however we say it is, that's how it is. You're going to give us this one. Where I'm at, you know, like (laughs) you say, like, it's okay. I'm like, eh. If that means that we're all in a secret society and we got this cool word that you can say that we can't say, you know what? Yeah, I don't know. That's just how it's gonna have to be, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, the the NFL, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, these bamas tripping, bro. I just looked at the um, the candidates and the voting results. These bamas are really tripping. So you told me before the show that um Scott Rowland was the only one to get elected. Um, there was only I think two finalists though. That's what's weird. So, it's 200, um, it's, um, I forgot how many voters there are, but you need 292 votes to win. Um, only one person got elected, and that was um, Scott Scott Rowland for the shortstop for the Cardinals. You need 75%, and this is... Yeah, Phillies too, though. Yeah, and the Phillies. This is where I'm getting at. Here's the list of people who did not get 75% of the votes. And one name on here is on here for the final year. And I ain't going to lie. It hurt me to see this. It really hurt me to see this. Pete Rose? Uh, no. I think he'd been off. Uh, Scott Rowland, he got 763 Todd Helton, 72%. Bill Wagner, 68%. Andrew Jones only got 58%. Gary Sheffield, 55%. Carlos Beltran, 46%. But this the one, bro. Jeff Kent, final year on the ballot, only got 46.5%. What are they doing? Wait. They, you mean Jeff Kent, like the dude who played for the Giants? Yes. Wasn't he like supposed to be like ridiculous? He was. Like if he, what the only thing I could think of is that he was um, caught up in that Balco scandal or whatever. But because I understand that Beltran, Sheffield, I think Jones, A Rod, he's on here too. He only got thirty five percent of the votes. Um, same with Manny Ramirez, um, Andy Pettit, Bobby Abreu. Like, everybody I'm naming was a part of that Balco's report. Um, Tory yeah. Hunter? No, that's surprising. Tory yeah. Hunter not even getting uh, more than 7% of the votes. This is where baseball is weird and always has been weird. Uh, some of those guys, it's like – in another year or two, they're going to get in no problem because like they shouldn't be allowed to get in on their first time or their whatever time. And then, you know, I think guys like Kent and Sheffield, I, I don't know specifically, I think this leans more towards Sheffield, but there are some guys where I think like the writers just didn't like them, whether it was like the way they, kind of uh like the interactions they had 
That's I know so that. Dumb, yo. I know. I know. It, it's it's very uh, it's it's very middle school, very petty. But you know, even a guy like Hans, uh, a, a lot of it. I mean, don't get me wrong. The the Balco thing, but the Balco thing is is like what I said. He got into these back and forth with, with these writers and the Balco thing was like, Oh, I like, we got him. Like, because like he, you know, used to talk trash to us all the time and used to act like such a jerk, you know, now like we're going to use this against him. And I think there was a lot of that that goes on, not just with him, but with a lot of guys, whether they're involved in the Balco uh, uh, thing or not. I think that's kind of, you know, the long and the short of it, which kind of sucks because a lot of those guys, you know, with Pete Rose, Bonds, et cetera, they were, they were great players. And what they did on the field, you know, you want to say they cheated or not. Like, I, I still think they played at a Hall of Fame level. You know, I think whether you think Bonds took steroids or not, I think a lot of the things that led up to him hitting the home runs, there's nothing that you could take or do to improve it. You know, his and eye coordination, his, you know, his swing. I get it. You know, if, if he can hit the ball harder, be like what steroids can do for you. I, I get that part, but you got to be able to hit the ball first. Exactly. Just so. And the last topic, y'all, um, the Angels owner, um, I don't know his name. All I know is that they were going to sell the team, and they're not anymore. And, of course, with Washington, you know, in the same situation of selling the team, people are um, panicking. <laughs> and there have been murmurs that Snyder like isn't trying to sell 100% of the team and that he might renege on a sale at all. But there have been just as strong as evidence that he is going to sell the team, maybe even stronger evidence um, based on the bids that were put in that were north to um, $7 million, I believe, or around $7 million. But, um, I mean, billion, I'm sorry. That that constant matters. <laughs> Um, seven billion. So, um, yeah, like I don't, I don't know. I, I still think Snyder's gonna sell. Like the Angels stuff didn't scare me because I, first of all, I have no idea what's going on. Secondly, like everybody wants Snyder to sell. Like it's past the point of no return. I feel like he has to sell this team. And I think Lerner's going to end up with the Caps, I mean, the um, Nats. So he'll have three-fourths of the Washington's um, sports, major sports scene. And, um, yeah, like, it's nothing's concerning me at the moment. I think everything will be okay in the next. I think somebody will, somebody else will own the Commanders by the, by the beginning of the summer. So, uh I had brought this topic to you as something for us to talk about. And here's where I'm at, because there's some humor. There's some things that tie in. 
So first, uh, let's talk about the guy's name is uh, Arturo Moreno Artie. Uh, he bought the team, I believe it's it's looking like less than a year after they won their World Series title, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, they won the World Series in 02. He bought the team May of 03. So, uh, you know, he's had the team for a while. You know, kind of hard to inherit a team like that. You just won a World Series. And they really haven't done anything since he's bought the team. So first, you have the sale of the team. And then he decides, what is it, like four days later or so to say, you know what? I don't think my work here is done. You know, he he wolf of Wall Street, you know, not the same. But he decided, you know, the show goes on. I'm not leaving. I'm sticking around. Now, you could speculate the team wasn't as appealing as he thought they would be. The offers weren't what they thought he would be, what it would be. And so he decided, okay, let's give it another go round. Well, he mentions, you know, like he spent a ton of money bringing in players, you know, signing Otani. And then you got, um, why can't I think? I can't think of any of their guys' names. I'm drawing a blank. What's my man's name? He's like one of the best baseball players ever. He's, well, not ever, but right now in the league, he's, he's all about weather and stuff. The New Jersey guy. All right, well, so can't think of his name. But either way, they spent all this money and then, you know, still didn't have a lot of success. And the owner mentions that and says, you know what? My work's not done, blah, blah, blah. And one, my first thought was like, can you imagine if Dan Snyder did that? Like if he decided, you know what? I'm not leaving. And that's not going to happen, thank God. But man, that 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 just really became like a, a, a reoccurring thought in my mind that like, oh. It shook man, you. It really did. But then <laughs> you know what I really thought of, what I really thought about was the learners. Because they're trying to sell the team too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and, what I said. I think Leonce is going to end up with him. Gotcha. So, and and I don't, I don't, I don't disagree here. I don't really have an opinion on that right now. <laughs> but I thought, had that guy sold, but he didn't get the money he wanted, what would that have done to affect the learners wanting to sell their team? And and I just really thought like they're paying very close attention to this because, you know, as much as we're psyched, like, Oh, those are the owners when we won a world series, they've also been the owners that have been the reason that some of the players we didn't want to walk out of here have walked out of here Mm -hmm. and traded out of here or whatever the case may be. They weren't wearing our jersey. Washington jersey that is we're responsible for this. So yeah, there's I that. Think, I think Leon's is going to be a so good I, I really, I just, I, I thought about all of this and how it ties to Washington because you know, it's, it's a baseball franchise. LA is a huge media market. I understand 
you're competing with the Dodgers. The San Francisco Giants are always a very good team and franchise. And then who else? They got, they got the Padres who have instantly with uh, Tatis Jr. and now Juan Soto out there, they've instantly become a force. So it, it is, you know, harder to slice that pie up evenly when you have those other teams garnering all the, the attention. But you're still in a huge media market like California, like L.A., and they just, I don't know, just doesn't make sense to me. But I, I, I couldn't help but think of the tie-ins to Washington, again, from the simple fact that, like, what if Snyder did that? I'm not leaving. The show goes on. You know, my work here isn't finished, even though we spent a record number of of dollars in free agency and on players or whatever, like. If Snyder ends up not selling, that will cripple the fan base. Like, whatever's left of the fan base will be all but Cook. It'll be just me, you, my man Sam, and probably, like, the die-die-die-hearts that, like, just... Because they ain't going nowhere. Like, I don't care. We could never win another game, and I'll still be a fan (laughs) because... It's not about the team as much as it is about the name of the team, the first name of the team. Like, as long as it's Washington, then I'm tied to that team. But I ain't going to lie, Snyder not selling would be a major blow to the fan base. That's why I feel like he has to sell. The NFL isn't done. Like, they probably the ones that initiated all this in the first place, I feel like. So don't worry, cuz. He out of here. That might be the name of the um this this episode. Don't worry, cause he out of here. <laughs> Pretty much. But that's it, y'all. Um, I understand it's a long episode, so if you got to the end, you are the realest one. I think my I think out of all the people, Bill, Bill Holyfield. I think out of all the people that'll get to the end, I think my man Jed. I think my man Jed might listen to all two hours. Um, so if you're hearing this, Jed, thanks, bro. Um, same for my man, my man Jessica, if he make it to the end. But I ain't gonna lie, y'all. I understand. If anybody understands the the amount of content that's available to one right now, it's me. So like, I really appreciate anybody that got to the end of this episode. Um, I, you will be, this show would be so much better as the years come, or as the years pass or whatever. So don't trip um, if we don't put out an episode next week or whatever. Like, we ain't going nowhere. Like, I was telling my folks last night, like, the thing that I'm doing with them and this podcast I like two of the most important things and as far as like media goes right now because y'all know I wanted to be a journalist or whatever so I always had the passion for it but as far as like um, projects or whatever this podcast is like near and dear to my heart pretty much at the top of the list and I know Eddie feel the same way so 
that's why yeah. we um we cook them. So thanks, like I said, thanks for riding out with us, and we're gonna holler at y'all, mamas, whenever. Two up at you. He's literally putting up his piece.